This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Force inside. Jokic, Hello and welcome in to a new Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports. And after saying sports 12 times, it is time to let you know that this is the Nuggets vs. Lakers Western Conference Finals Preview Podcast. Not only did I get into a whole lot of different things that could potentially impact this series, and also, if you want a great breakdown, go check out Nikias Duncan's preview that he did from the Nuggets perspective. One of the absolute best articles you will find from a scouting cap perspective of what you can see working for the Nuggets in this series and what they need to pay attention to. It is going to be a hyper-important article to kind of at least analyze and look through because again like there is so much at play in this so it's over on basketball news he is so good at what he does Nikias Duncan again that's at Nikias NBA it's N-E-K-I-A-S um, a lot I mean I honestly started my research for this series by reading Nikias's story and building off of it so please go check that out please 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 go check that out also This podcast has the great podcast extraordinaire, Dave DeFore of The Athletic, their media multi-tool. The dude is on, like, The Daily Dean. He does the Rainbow Skyline podcast with Kendra Andrews, who was the Nuggets beat writer for The Athletic. He's on all of their shows all of the time and covers the entire league. So I figured who else would be better to have on from a... Uh, Lakers perspective that isn't too involved with the Lakers because it's always great to get that national perspective as to what is going on. You will be hearing from Lakers people on this podcast in the future, but I wanted to get Dave on to at least preview it because he just sees the game so well. He's someone that I respect an incredible amount, and honestly, he's a friend that I just love talking hoops with, which is always makes for a good show. So, Dave DeFore joined, and we got into everything. We got into LeBron, Anthony Davis, how to slow them, what defensive schemes could work, who could be important, how Michael Porter Jr. fits into this, what the Nuggets need to do to win, and we gave our predictions. So it was awesome. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I had recording it. Uh, Go follow him at Dave DeFore. He's amazing at what he does. And make sure you go check out the article from Nikias as well because it is good. Definitely worth the time to go check that out. And by the way, it's not at Dave DeFore. It's at Dave DeFore NBA. That's my bad. But Without further ado, we're going to take our first break, tell you about Indeed for job search, and then we're going to quickly move on, and we're going to talk to Dave DeFore about this Denver Nuggets series with the Los Angeles Lakers for the Western Conference Finals. Even though sports have had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. 
Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast and the Blue Wire podcast network a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply and the offer is valid through September 30th. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast and I am blessed to be joined by good friend and hopefully friend of the show going forward, but Dave DeFore of The Athletic, podcast extraordinaire. The Twitter versus, you know, no, listen, I can't go on Twitter, Dave, without seeing seven new podcasts that you have been on. Uh, yeah, I, I probably do too many. <laughs> too many is, is very loose. I mean, luckily for most of them, I'm talking about different stuff. So that's pretty good, right? Like at least it's not just repeating myself ad nauseum. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, not comfortable. It's with a the lot. Compliments. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how is everything? Everything's all right. How's everything over, over there for you? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm hanging in, man. You know, obviously staying busy. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Basketball has been a lot of fun. So, how has it been not being a vagabond? How is it not being able just to get in a car and just disappear into a whole new world? Uh, that's rough. Um, but don't worry. I'm already making plans for the day after the finals end. So, I'm, you know, you can, you can be safe and road trip in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just going to get out into the mountains and hang out anyway. So, Good. Well, before we started this podcast, you said that you had something that you never do after game seven that you did. What is this mysterious thing, Dave? So I usually won't rewatch a game until the next day mm -hmm. um, or, or I'll hop on synergy, you know, the next day yeah. and I'll, I'll skim through and watch the parts I need to watch again. I actually watched the replay of that game. I, I recorded the daily ding. And I turned that game back on and watched it and, and started taking notes from that. Um, it, everything went exactly the way I expected it to in game seven, down to the minute, down to the minute. I'm not kidding. Interesting. And I just wanted the, to rewatch it so that I could give proper credit to Mike Malone, to uh, Jeremy Grant. Obviously, I've been probably uh, – singing too loud about Gary Harris. Um, but just the job they did defensively in, in the second half of that game on Kawhi and Paul George is going to be overlooked because Jokic and Murray were so, you know, fantastic and, and effective in the pick and roll. But their defense on Kawhi and Paul George really destroyed any chance that the Clippers had to come back. 
once they got that lead. It was really incredible. Just It wasn't just that they were putting bodies in front of them. It was the fact that they can stunt down, recover, and then start scrambling again. The effort was insane. And I don't know if the scheme is necessarily sustainable going into this next series against the Lakers, but they're going to try. And I think this is what they're going to have to hang their hat on is we're going to fly around. We're going to give you just insane amounts of effort. And we're going to be a team full of pests that isn't going to go away at any given point. So when you rewatch that game seven against the Clippers and you watch the series, of course, what do you think can be taken? Because in my opinion, a lot, these are very different series, despite the fact that it is a very, you know, two stars with a bunch of role players doing what they do. It's, it's, such a fundamentally schematically different series um yeah the lakers are a better defensive team yes i agree Uh, you know maybe not the individual defenders but certainly as a team um and their defense is looking pretty locked in in that houston series uh i I would say the the lakers are at a little bit of a disadvantage just given the first two series that they played uh, and how different they were it's not like they've gotten into a groove in one particular style they got into a groove for Portland playing one way, and then it took them a couple of games to get back into a different groove for, uh, for the Rockets. So I, I think with the Nuggets, maybe we see a, a similar thing. Um, for the Nuggets defense, though, you know, you're not going to stop LeBron, and you're not, not going to stop Anthony Davis. So I think your primary concern is to just make it impossible for anyone else to contribute. If you can keep those guys to, like, 85 points – <laughs> and you can keep the rest of those guys to like 20, you're going to win a lot of games. And, and I think that Denver can actually do that in particular because despite his defensive shortcomings, Michael Porter Jr. did a very effective job of running shooters off the three-point line. You know, he, he, would, he would make mistakes, but for the most part, his effort and energy – got him where he needed to be for the Nuggets to be successful while he was out there. The difference is the Lakers just don't fall apart in the third quarter the way the Clippers do. So, you know, you're going to have to defend, but you're also going to have to score. I think Michael Porter Jr. could wind up being pretty important in this series. I actually agree with that. And putting Michael Porter Jr. on the least um, creation able of the forwards that are out on the court and just let him be big. Let him fly around and let him use this gargantuan frame that he has. Foul out, you know? Yeah, honestly. Just just another athletic body just makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, it, honestly, he should probably eat into some of Plumlee's minutes because Plumlee is going to allow them to get Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee minutes, and that's going to be rough going for, for the Nuggets. I agree. So the Michael Porter Jr. part's interesting, though, because the Clippers weren't going to attack him. They're so isolation heavy that they didn't go out of their way. If LeBron James or Rondo are on the court, they're going to see him like barbecue chicken and go after him over and over and over again. You're dropping all the you're dropping under all the screens, though, right? Like, so force them to actually screen and roll instead of isolate. Yeah. But if you do that still, though, I mean, at that point, Michael Porter Jr., especially in that Jazz series when they try to do a little bit of this and just drop and kind of keep everything in front of them, Porter would just overextend so much they just got split over and over and over again. So Porter hasn't learned the right positioning when it comes to on-ball defense. He he knows how to be around. He doesn't know how to create advantages yet. Off-ball, he can do that. You cannot do that if they're going to run 1-3 or 2-3 pick and rolls trying to get him involved in the action or just switch to where they want Michael Porter Jr. is going to be fascinating because is he going to score enough to make up for the issues he's going to present in terms of how he is going to be attacked defensively do you think he can get the right side of that 
I mean, I think he can, right? Like he clearly has the tools to score. I mean, that's (laughs) the one thing we know he can do. Um, The other questions for him, it has to do with rebounding and then defense, right? So if, if he's not scoring, but he's rebounding well, we've already seen Mike Malone will, will play him. Um, If he's scoring well and rebounding well, it doesn't matter what he's doing on defense because he's giving you positive effort. Uh, but if he's not scoring and he's not rebounding and he's not playing defense, he's not going to play. And so we've already seen that from Mike Malone. And I think that their big focus heading into the series, and we saw some of this against the Clippers, is getting him more under control defensively. I, I thought, again, he wasn't perfect. He's not a lockdown guy, but he was giving really great effort, keeping his body in front of guys, not fouling a ton, and, and again, running out on shooters. So I think he understands his job in that scheme. It's just, you know, he needs to just do it. Yeah. And, a, and another big advantage he has is that he's not going to be closing out to a lot of creators. Like you're not closing out to Paul George who can then break you down off the dribble and create for somebody else. Like closing out to Danny Green is very, very different than that, despite how good Danny Green is. This is not an indictment on Danny Green, but right. that's going to be a very interesting combination of things. But I want to get to something else. Paul Millsap. He is the guy I'm looking for because either he's going to be checking whoever Anthony Davis, or you're going to put him on the center and try and get his weak side rotations. Which would you look to do with Paul Millsap? Well, I think it really does. It's going to be matchup dependent. Yeah. Um, With Jokic, you got to be careful because AD has gotten the better of him on both ends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I don't know if they're going to guard. I don't think they're going to use AD to guard Millsap, to be honest with you. Interesting. I think that they would guard Millsap potentially with the center because Anthony Davis is so good against Jokic. Now we'll see. I mean, obviously the Lakers have their tendencies and and I expect them to start out with a traditional center Mm -hmm. uh, starting next to Anthony Davis and guarding Jokic just straight up. But um, I would be, I would be totally fine with putting Millsap on, on AD. And then that way, if you get a LeBron AD pick and roll, you're probably in a better position to be able to switch if you've got yeah. Jeremy Grant guarding LeBron. So Jeremy Grant on AD is a, a little bit better proposition than maybe winding up with Jokic on LeBron. I agree with that. And I do think that they're going to try and keep as much of this Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap focused. I don't know how much they're going to be able to continually sustain that type of an action because, the, I mean, LeBron's just too smart. He's going to create the advantages he wants to create. And the Nuggets have enough holes that he'll be able to attack them. Like, as much as Jamal Murray has improved exponentially as a defender, there's no chance in the post against LeBron. Absolutely none. And those are going to be the matchups he's looking for. Like, Danny Green setting screens for. LeBron is something that I am fully expecting a lot of because this is something that the Utah Jazz also did to the Nuggets and the Clippers did to the Nuggets which is use those ghost screen actions to force the switch you want and then start attacking. I don't know if they're going to start that way. But I am concerned that even though these things do exist, and I agree with the premise, LeBron might be smart enough to make all of them not actually functional. And I do think there is a very big reality that Jamal Murray suddenly has his defense become attacked, even though he has grown so much. Yeah. I thought he actually did really well in in the series against Mm -hmm. the Clippers when he was uh, matched up on Paul George, you know, like think about that. And I that's agree. Kind of a weird thing to say. Well, Rodney but... Hood killed him, and last year in the playoffs, to go from that to actually being able to handle a guy like Paul George says everything you need to say. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I think that I'm I'm with you there on, on Murray. The bigger thing, it's not about his defense even being bad or anything like that. It's just that he's small. 
Yeah. And LeBron loves to get that, that big, small mismatch going because if he does, you know, want to drive or turn it into a post up, that's who he wants posting up. And, and his whole goal is try to get you to swing the help. And so he can find an open shooter. And it's very similar to the way Jokic plays. Yep. Jokic and LeBron are very similar in, yes. in ways that are, you know, if you know basketball, you can see it. But same pace dictation thing, you know, like mm-hmm. enable, uh, they're able to pace themselves, not only the pace of the game, but themselves within the pace of the game. You know, how often have we seen LeBron just kind of coasting the first three quarters? That's, I mean, Jokic does that almost every game, right? Yep. So, I just think some of the same things that, that the Nuggets will look to exploit, the Lakers are going to look to exploit. I mean, you know, if Jokic can get post-ups against some of the Lakers' guards, I mean, I'd even say anybody but LeBron and AD, mm-hmm. if Jokic gets them in a single post-up, that's a, that's a win for the offense, in particular because I expect the Lakers to send a double, not learning the lesson that the Clippers didn't learn, right? This is something that I, I have not been able to decide myself yet, but the way I look at it, I don't know how you can be the Lakers and watch what just happened in that Clippers series and double Jokic. I don't know I, how. The, the key is you've got to just take away Murray, right? Like we saw that work, mm-hmm. and it essentially forces Jokic into more of a primary scoring role, which he doesn't want to be in. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to just take away – Murray the issue for the Lakers is they don't have the personnel to take away Murray so your only other option is play everybody straight up that's a mistake not with the way this team cuts and with that passing or you're sending the the double on Jokic to just make it so, so everybody else has to beat you and so given those circumstances I think that that's the way to go the problem is all of these role players are now playing really good basketball you know Jeremy Grant and Gary Harris providing quite a bit of offense. I mean, even Millsap toward the end of yeah. this past series starting to look a little bit better, shooting the three much more confidently. And, uh, you know, I, I worry for the Lakers that the Nuggets have sort of found their groove and figured out who they are. And so when you bring that double, I mean, game one could maybe get ugly yeah. if they're doubling, right? For sure. And I think the part that I'm also so curious about is who's going to dictate the pace of this game. Because right now, the Lakers have a 101.2 pace in the playoffs, and the Nuggets are at 95.76. Whoever is the one asserting themselves on the pace of the game as a team is going to get the advantage because the Lakers are going to do whatever they want in transition. Denver does not have the athletes to keep up with them. It just isn't going to happen. So if all of a sudden the Nuggets are taking the ball from the baseline after a made bucket and getting into their half-court off missing or turning the ball over and letting the Lakers run, it's done. It doesn't matter what schematic changes Michael Malone comes with. So how does Denver slow this team? I have my thoughts. Um, I think that you can't, like, you do not leave Anthony Davis ever. Paul Millsap, well, I don't – go ahead. You can't turn the ball over. Yeah, well, that, that's the simple one for sure. Number, I mean, that's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. You cannot turn the ball over. You cannot be sloppy with it. I mean, you know, think about those Warriors teams, right? Like – Jamal Murray, Jokic, they're both very creative with the ball, but they've got a lot of that Steph Curry mindset Mm -hmm. too. And there are times where you really just need to say, okay, caretaker on offense. Monte Morris is great at this, right? Amazing. He can get do great stuff without turning the ball over. And this is going to probably be a big series for him as well Mm -hmm. because he's going to have to win his matchups just as much as everybody else. Um, But, yeah, for this team, they just need to not turn the ball over. they got to take care of it. 
you can't let those live ball turnovers turn into points for the Lakers because you'll get buried fast. I mean, LeBron loves to get his team out and going like you, like you just talked about. It's easy offense for them. They don't have to do all the decision-making and hunt for the mismatch and take all that time. You know, it's just basically free points because, like you said, who's going to take care of this for the Nuggets? Now, I could also see them uh, eschewing some of their offensive rebounding principles. I was and just so, going to make this point, yep. And so, yeah, you know, if you've got Porter out there, maybe you say, listen, we don't so much need your rebounding because we've got Jokic inside or whatever, uh, but what we need you to do is be the first man back. And so when the shot goes up, you're taken off. I mean, this is, this is classic NBA basketball, mm-hmm. if you're asking me, right? And this, I kind of love Nuggets team. Well, yeah, I mean, well, this Nuggets team, offensive rebounds, much more often, or at least attempts, much more often than most teams. But, you know, the eschewing offensive rebounds for transition defense has been a theme in the NBA for like the last, you know, 13 years or so. I think yeah. Doc Rivers' Celtics teams really started to do it hardcore. Um, and I think that Malone's going to have to adopt some of that mindset to make sure you've got a body back, if for nothing else than to foul, then the yeah. Euro foul and stop the fast break. But you cannot, absolutely cannot, give up live ball turnovers. So like the long rebounds and stuff you can control by sending everybody back, but the live ball turnovers, you can't, I mean, you can't say, Hey, look, if you see the turnover run back, well, hopefully they're already doing that. So I think managing the turnovers is the most important thing for them when it comes to limiting the Lakers offense, getting them into the half court offense, making them work for their buckets. If they get outrun, I mean, if it's a race, Oh, the Nuggets yeah. are going to lose. Mm-hmm. Probably in so, five games pretty quick. Uh, yeah. The other thing, though, and you're right, the turnovers are by far like priority number one, two, three, and four. But the fifth thing for me, if we're going to do it that way, Anthony Davis loves getting downhill quickly and sealing the big under the, underneath the rim and just getting easy buckets off a LeBron you know, outlet pass. Paul Millsap is not going to help on the offensive glass in this series. He's not big enough. Paul Millsap has to be the one getting back and physically keeping Davis out of the paint. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, if he ends up playing in the same exact vein, because if you let him seal, it's over. It's too easy for him to score in that area. So we'll see if Millsap can get back, but he's going to be asked to do so much in this series. I do think Michael Porter Jr. You can just leave. Like you can let him go for offensive boards and make sure Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap are just hauling back. But do you think Millsap has enough left in the tank for a series like this? I do. I mean, I hope. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, he looked totally washed in the Utah series. Uh, I think he I had like one, that one, basically had like one good half in that series. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a big one, but still, he, you know, only one. And then up and down in the Clippers series was much better in game seven than I thought than, than in game one. So maybe he's like ramping up and I'm not sure though. Um, I hope he's got enough, man, because they're going to need him. They need that backline help. And they're going to, and they're going to need him to hold his own against Anthony Davis. Just a quick thing on Paul Millsap, him in that jazz series was, he was being asked to be in three places at once. You can't try it. Yeah. You can't check Rudy Gobert roll into the rim and get to the corner when the corner shooter is actually relocating to the wing. Like he can't do that. Nobody. And and especially looking a step slow, right? Like, and, and which a lot of people do. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not, I've been saying, I don't know that he's washed, but he's looked washed Mm -hmm. in moments. Um, I'm a lot more worried about his lack of offensive production for them because they actually need it at this point. This series, the Lakers are going to try to do their best to take away Murray and Jokic. Those other guys are going to have to step up, and and Millsap's a big one. Like They might need a 20-point game out of Millsap, you know, and it might have to happen more than once if they want to win this series. 
the other person defensively that I'm so fascinated about is Gary Harris, because this is, might sound weird at the very start, but I went back and I was watching the Nuggets first game against Houston in the regular season. In that game, they were the first team to hold James Harden under 30 points. And this was when Gary Harris was just completely given all of the freedom to do what he wants. I talked to Wes Unsell Jr. after the game about this, where he said, we did not tell Gary when to double. We did not tell him where to double from. We did not tell him which players to double or where to actually try to appear from. They just gave him the freedom to make arbitrary decisions. And that randomness completely messed up the timing of what James Harden wanted to do. And then when you have a screen coming and then you're getting stunted on, the guy's already rolling. You can't make the law pass now. You have to then reset the offense. I wonder if just throwing Gary Harris on KCP and being like, I want you to cause all the chaos you can cause and just give him the freedom to do so is a sustainable potential strategy to at least muck up this, this Lakers offense. I mean, when you've got a defensive savant, yeah, <laughs> you and I appears, talk about Gary Harris yeah. is not going to be good because we're so high on him. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when you've got a guy who's that skilled defensively, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, it it works. Now the Lakers have better chemistry, right? Yes. Like they those guys are willing to cut. Those guys, they've got the dirty work guys. You know, the Lakers are definitely the more blue collar team uh in LA and and it makes it tougher to do the stuff that he wants to do because they are gonna adjust. And in particular, LeBron just being such a basketball genius. Uh but yeah, I think I think it'll work. Why not? That's Why not? that's how I feel. let your Why players not? let your players make plays, right? Like Mm-hmm. And and he's a defensive playmaker. It, it, the turnaround that they've that they've undergone since he came back from injury has just been massive. And it's pretty clear that they probably would not have gone down three one against Utah if Gary Harris had been out, been out there. They're a totally different team. They might Gary Harris might have an argument for the role player who raises your team floor the most. Like the foundation and the stability that he gives this group is really like you can't quite quantify it. Like the team looks like an entirely different group on that end of the floor when Gary Harris is able to play, and he's going to be hyper important in this series. Um, if the Nuggets hit adversity, do you think that all do you, is how do I phrase that sounding cliche? Are the Nuggets going to be able to come back again? Not 3-1. I'm not trying to like play into that yet because who knows where they'll end up. But if they're down 2-1 or 2-0, is there enough talent on this team? Because I feel the Clippers or the Lakers are much more talented than the Clippers. So uh, talent gets you to a certain point. Chemistry, mm-hmm. I think, can take you farther. And as we talked about, I don't think the Lakers have bad chemistry. I think their chemistry is mostly good. I think when you've got Le- LeBron James – usually not a concern yeah the the nuggets we know what they're about i think the biggest the the biggest mistake the lakers can make is going up 3-1 <laughs> is that and is i this, don't is this real like are we really going to believe that right, the nuggets the bubble, are just better this way here's here's gonna this is the first time i'm gonna use this analogy uh but i think it works and i'm probably gonna just use it a lot for the next few weeks <laughs> um you have to look at the bubble like the island from lost okay <laughs> just about anything is possible at this point i i mean with the the yeah. way the shot making has gone with the way chemistry is beaten talent in head-to-head matchups uh I, I just think that a lot of it like in the in this like very very small field of view it's unpredictable mm-hmm. big picture i think you can go you can go bigger and make some broader predictions 
but just game to game feels very unpredictable in the playoffs so far. I don't have a firm grasp on any of these series until I see like three or four yeah. games. And so even then, they've shifted in the middle of the series so dramatically. Well, and that's what I'm getting at. So, like, once I see the first and second adjustments, I okay, can now more accurately give you an assessment of what I think is going to happen next. Yeah. Um, it, but going into the series with all these question marks where we don't – I mean, this is a, an interesting style, uh, stylistic battle mm-hmm. between these two teams. And given all of the interesting – aspects of the bubble the fact that the shot making is through the roof i mean guys are just hitting shots um the defense is still looking a step slow for most teams although the lakers look pretty good (laughs) but who knows a part of that was also you know playing against russell westbrook so maybe that's a little bit of fool's gold as well i just think the the small sample size theater uh, aspect here gets blown out of proportion like the stuff gets blown out of proportion and it's really hard when you, if you go back and look at the tape, it's really hard to see how these teams are going to match up. I've said this already multiple times. I could see the Lakers sweeping this series. I could see Denver winning it in seven. Yep. It, it, like, it is, there's that much variance to me, just given this environment. So, uh, I don't know, man. That's, that's my big take yeah. right now. I don't know. It's, it's fun, though. <laughs> how many new ways have you found to say I don't know in the past six months? Because I'm at, like, number 752. So I feel you there. Yeah. It's just, like, endless I don't know. Let me ask you this. It's completely not even related to this series. How do you like the bubble? If there was a possibility of, like, COVID not related to play playoff games in a bubble to restrict the amount of travel, do you enjoy the way that this has kind of played out? I mean, it's been objectively better. I, I think the only thing that's been worse in the bubble has been the refereeing. Yes. Um, but the the play, the playoff play has been fantastic. The, the a lot of the seeding games when mm-hmm. the teams actually cared, you know, that stuff was was way better. Especially as they started to get more uh, of the rust shaken off. Um, I'm down with the bubble. Uh, I'm down with it 100. percent I would love to at least like you could even do regional. I was the best. Type bubbles during the entire playoffs instead of doing them all in one place. But um, I definitely think that the NBA should look at that because I I mean, it could just really improve your television product. And, you know, maybe you turn the finals into something that feels more like the Super Bowl. And you do a whole like almost all star week with around the finals. and, And, you know, there's a whole new thing that you've got going on that makes it feel like a bigger deal. So, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see them at least flirt with the idea next year. It, it'll probably make sense because you know we won't have fans anyway, uh, most likely. And yeah. so you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. Um, to me, the bigger the bigger takeaway is the Euroleague style presentation. Yeah, needs to be permanent. Uh, I love the players on the bench behind. I was just going to make this behind point. the board. I like no fans around it. That's actually part of why guys are shooting so well. Yes, because. Yes. They well, Seth has done the math on this. You know, they they looked and you've got all this space and guys are floating out of bounds. They're they're not worried about falling into somebody's, you know, bud light or something. Mm-hmm. So I would I would take that away for sure. And it's just an impossible ask because of the money involved. But maybe you, you know, maybe those ticket prices down there go up and you take away a bunch of them, but give those guys some space and look at how confident they play. It's pretty amazing. 
Aisha fully enjoyed that. Like, perfect example is the Jamal Murray dagger three-pointer on Kawhi Leonard. He would have never had the space to launch himself if there were fans right there to hit that kind of a shot. And I just want these basketball players to be able to play basketball at the best possible level of basketball can be played. And you need room to do that. So that's a point that I was going to make, and I'm so happy you made it as well. I think it's going to be fun. Um, Let me ask you this. Denver's offense, did they find something that worked or has this been just matchup based? I mean, I think they found something that works I clearly. Um, you know, the, the offense, even in the Utah series was, was pretty good before they found their defense. Right. Um, look, Denver is a really good basketball team. They're not a perfect basketball team, but none of those exist right now, including the Lakers. Um, they're, Clearly good enough to be a conference finalist. You know, last year, they could, people can call last year a fluke all they want. They, they were one game away from the conference finals. And this year, they made it. Like, this is a good basketball team with tons of continuity. They're well coached. They've got a top 10 player. And they've got another guy who, you know, in these playoffs is making an argument for, like, top 25. Yeah, that's and, top 30. About right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you've got that much going for you, yeah, I mean, I believe in the Nuggets, man. I think that they can. I think they can go to the finals. This might be one of the only series, playoff-wise, where it's more about each team being the best version of themselves than it is adjusting to the to the opponent. Both the Lakers and the Nuggets just need to be the best version of themselves. To well, it's win also style, styles make fights. Like yeah, I, I've sure. never seen that in the NBA like this. But I mean, we we saw you know Boston and and Toronto. We saw Miami and Milwaukee. We we just we saw Dallas even uh, with the Clippers and mm-hmm. the way they exploited them. And if Porzingis had been healthy, maybe, maybe we had Dallas Denver second round, you know? Um, I, I think that that is, that has been apparent to me and the coaching has been magnified, but you know, when you look at the Lakers and Nuggets, I mean, these styles are, they're an interesting match. And, and I think this is another case of that uh, styles are going to make the fight and first team to first team to adjust, obviously um, probably takes the first game. Right. Yeah. First, first team that figures out what works uh, takes that first game. And then it's anybody's ball game from there. I think this is more even than anybody would give it credit to be. I totally agree. How would you grade Michael Malone's job coaching in this postseason? A to A to F or F to A, I should say. I mean, I, I, I'll give him an A. You See, know, um, I'm with you on this. People yeah. have been saying he hasn't been good. And I don't understand what he has done wrong. So he, I mean, he loaded up their rotations in the Clippers series and mm-hmm. literally brought them back yes. from 3-1, you know, by, by backloading their offensive lineups to hit in the middle of the third quarter, take advantage of the time that the Clippers starts to get tired, right? Yeah. So great move, fantastic move, literally won the series, you know. Uh, getting Gary Harris back instantly improved this team in the first round. So just getting that, you know, the two games that they got without Gary Harris – to me, was a big sign that Mike Malone was doing a good job because they they won. That was team defense that helped them win yep. those games, and so you know, like he didn't have his best defensive player, and then he gets him back, and all of a sudden they can defend. And so, so how can you knock him for the job he did when he didn't have the guy that's been instrumental to the way they play defense all season? So no, I think he's done a really good job. 
And even in the micro decisions, like Jamal Murray had no space to operate in games one and two against the Clippers. And they did such a better job of creating screening actions off ball to get him moving before before catching that gave him the room to operate in these final games that allowed them to win that series. So I, I, I wanted to make this point just because so many people, especially listeners of the show, think that Michael Malone is, is just not the coach that they need, which might not be the case. Who knows? We got time to tell, but I think he's done an incredible job. And I think that he has been up against teams where he hasn't had a whole a lot of answers like the jazz there was nothing he was going to do to fix that pick and roll defense he dropped he switched he hedged he did everything on earth to try and make that work and it just didn't work and sometimes you just have to be okay with the fact that your adjustments won't always function this is the playoffs you got to find new ways to make things happen so i fully think that michael malone has been that guy but yeah. it's prediction time you said that you have lakers <laughs> in seven is that what you're going to put down in pen uh lakers in seven um no so all right uh i know it's too early this is not like i'm not trying to like actually it's just tough right right right. it's tough um it's really hard for me to kind of pick against this nuggets team right Mm -hmm. now like really hard um they're a lot of fun to watch and they just came back from 3-1 twice (laughs) so you can't bury them no uh i think this goes seven Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say the lakers win but yeah. man, I would not be shocked if the Nuggets pulled it off. I just said Lakers in six when I went on with Matt Brooks of Nets Daily, and I don't feel comfortable with Lakers in six anymore. I think this goes seven. And at that point, like I'm of the Matt Moore mindset that like flip a coin. Like game sevens are that chaotic. Mm-hmm. And you know, like a stat that Matt Moore gave me actually before the, the game seven against the Clippers is that 69.1% of unders hit in game sevens. Guys just play so tight and it comes down to like, is Tory Craig going to hit a three in this game? So when that randomness starts getting in there, it really is a coin flip. So I'm going to take the Lakers in seven just because I'm scared to be completely honest with you, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I am absolutely with you. Um, please plug everything because there's a lot of things that you are into nowadays. I mean, every, all of my stuff is at the athletic. So mm-hmm. check out the athletic <laughs> NBA show, check out the daily ding, check out my Denver nuggets podcast that I do with yep. Dr. Andrews rainbow skyline where, you know, she and I have great chemistry, much like the Denver nuggets, um, <laughs> trying to go to the conference finals. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot. I wear a lot of different hats. Most people, I think, know how to find me. Athletic multi-tool, Dave DeFore. That is where yeah, he Yeah, I was called a utility player. I love us, it. I love it. You're the guy who yeah. can play second base, third base, shortstop, left and right field. Yeah, but I can oh. back clean up too. So let's, <laughs> let's not forget that. There's still home run hitter power and deep, deep let's, down within Dave DeFore. Yeah, <laughs> let's not forget that. I love it. Thank you so much, Dave. This was so much fun. I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Yeah, anytime, buddy. And stay safe out there. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are finally coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels so you never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players, no matter where you live. 
NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use your promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off of your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That is promo code BLUEWIRE in all capital letters. Thank you all again for sticking around and listening to this podcast and allowing me to make it into what it is. It has been so fun covering this truly historic playoff run that this Denver Nuggets team has been on through this medium of talking on this podcast and interacting with different listeners of the show and getting questions and all of that stuff. It has been so much fun and so enjoyable every step of the way. If you've enjoyed it as much as I've had it, uh, as much as as much fun as I've had recording it, please go out of your way to give this a five star review on iTunes. Go subscribe to it on every podcast listening platform that you use. Please share it with your friends. Please share it on social media. Please leave a comment about it. All of those things, all those little micro things, really do add up to make this show even better than it originally was. It allows me to address what can be better. It allows me to double down on what has already been good. And because of that, it just makes it better for all of us to enjoy. So again thank you all so much for sticking around also thank you to indeed also thank you to nfl sunday ticket also thank you to bet online also make sure you go subscribe to te1 the new podcast from greg Olson on the blue wire podcast network where he has professional tight ends um you know that are now retired or still active who come on to talk about the position which is going to be a ton of fun for you to be able to get an insight from greg Olson and some seriously incredible hall of fame tight ends as to what goes into that position but until next time this has been the rocky mountain hoops podcast part of the blue wire podcast network i'm tj mcbride from milehighsports.com that was dave defore of the athletic who was on the show and we all say thank you please 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 keep being safe keep wearing the mask and remember that black lives always matter The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses, including the one we have here at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That is when you can use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts.